and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hi, folks. I wanted to continue on an episode I had about pathological narcissism, as some people wanted more pragmatic advice on dealing with this. And then we'll get into today's story. Continuing on narcissism and other personality disorders, here goes. Usually when you reflect upon a relationship with someone who is malignantly narcissistic, you remember the beginning and really the whole relationship up until the split and the conflict as being laced with ingratiation. And the ingratiation leaves you with a sick feeling, a sort of falseness. And you remember and realize that that was really covering over a sense of aggression and boundary fusion on the part of such a person. And it seems kind of gross to you on the other end of the conflict. You remember you were never really comfortable with it. And that usually comes from the engulfment that characterizes a relationship with such a person. Then you enter the conflict. The narcissist or the person organized at the borderline level can't tolerate uh, not being gratified by a relationship, and they usually find a way to split on other people eventually. You're no exception. You come to find. And you're in the midst of the conflict, and you'll start to notice that you feel a vacillation between aggression and outrage toward them versus a countervailing sense of guilt and anxiety as if you've done something horribly wrong. And then you remember that you haven't. And you remember that actually the restraints on your liberty, as well as the demands placed on you by this type of person, are themselves completely ludicrous. You'll probably find yourself perseverating on this in the days following the fallout with this person. And the purpose of the perseveration, of you ruminating, going around and around and around, trying to remember what actually happened, is so that you can remember reality. Usually, what happens in the fallout with a malignant narcissist is that people become enraptured by the narcissist's fantasy and projection about the memory of the conflict. And the memory of the conflict and the righteous indignation that such a person tends to feel and project onto you is so unrealistic as to be absurd. And the purpose of ruminating and going over and over the absurdity in your mind following this kind of fallout is to make sure that you remember reality and that you don't go down the rabbit hole of such a person's delusions. And that's what they are. They're bordering on delusions. And so that's just how it goes with dealing with the explosions that characterize the inability to experience difference, differentiation, and conflict in the pathologically narcissistic person. Afterwards, the typical solution is to distance and jettison and get away. And that's what I find as common. But it's a problem, of course, if you're in a marriage with such a person or you're in a relationship where you can't cleanly exculpate yourself, 
and that leads to a need for therapy and figuring out how you want to live your life and how you'd like to structure your relational experiences. Okay, well, that's the follow-up, and hopefully uh, things like this that I'll be coming to you with will prove useful and come from my 14 years in private practice, and I'll be delivering them to you as needed. Okay, and here's the thought of the day, new story of the day. I'm recording this on Wednesday, September 6th, and you'll get it in your ear holes on Thursday, September 7th, maybe early in the morning, I don't know. Could be your drive to work. You could be wondering, what's life about? Why am I doing this? And then you tune in and you listen to something that grounds you. Or maybe makes you more anxious. I don't know. Let's see where this new story goes. So we have a problem in the United States. We're in some really strange territory. I can't think of historical precedent where a presidential candidate may be removed from the ballot in certain states. Now, is this likely? I don't know. But the idea, the fact that there is an initiative in Colorado and other states like it to remove Donald Trump from the ballot is frankly scary. Now, if you're listening and you're liberal or you're far left, don't freak out, okay? You don't have to like Donald Trump to recognize that this is a very scary thing. Just imagine for a minute, just do a little funky brain work here and imagine that your candidate is getting removed from the ballot. By the way, Trump's not my candidate. Don't really like the guy. But I have to say, he was a pretty moderate president, if you look at his policies. The idea that he's some fascistic ruler that's got to get removed from the ballot to save democracy is really absurd, if you look at the record. Um, Now, where does this leave us if there is even one state that removes Trump from the ballot? It leaves us in third world territory. And I guess the thinking is that if we have crumbling airports, we might as well have crumbling politics. Okay, it's about that well thought through. It's really, uh, Daniel Kahneman would describe this as phase one thinking. There's no phase two. It's just impulse and movement. Uh, And and what would it do if this were to succeed? It would leave us in a place where political operatives would move to remove candidates of either side based on anything that they saw could possibly achieve that outcome. And how is this being achieved or attempted to be achieved by the Democrats at this time? Well, obviously everyone knows Donald Trump is going through some serious legal woes. In New York, he's being tried on a bunch of bullshit, let's be honest. That's nonsense up there. It's misdemeanor stuff, and it's just uh, pageantry. Uh, The federal crime is very strange, or at least the allegations are very strange, because they're being prosecuted by a DOJ that serves at the pleasure of the president, who happens to be running against Donald Trump. Again, no historical precedent for that. Now, in Georgia, this is where things get really weird. He's being tried on a RICO RICO statute, and that's a racketeering charge, okay? And that was instituted to fight organized crime in the early 1900s. And it essentially posits that someone can not have committed any obvious singular crime, but can, on the basis of a framework of a theater of crime all strung together, be construed as having conspired to commit crime. It's a very strange law. But where this gets tricky and where people in Colorado on these ballot initiatives are moving, is they want to leverage Title 18, Section 2383 of the U.S. Uh, Code. It's a federal law that uh, addresses the crime of rebellion and insurrection. Now, what's the kicker? If someone is found guilty of that code, violating that state code, United States Code, they are banned from holding any office in the United States. Get it? That's the outcome. That's the aim. 
of the Georgia case against Trump. It is not to put him in prison, right? The idea that you're going to put a man who's entitled to 24-7 secret service into a prison is absolute lunacy. I doubt that's going to happen. Maybe the grandiose prosecutors in these various geographic regions think they could be the one to land Donald Trump in jail, but that's really far-fetched. What is close-fetched, and I think is the actual aim of these operatives, is to ban him from running for office in the United States on Title 18, Section 2383. You could say, and you could make a politically cohesive argument and legislative argument in various states that he should be removed from the ballot. And what would that accomplish? A guaranteed Biden win. I think that's bad for the country. I think we need legitimate and democratically held elections for the cohesiveness of our political process and our peoples and our civic spaces and our union. If you agree with me, go to realclearpodcast.com. Sign up. Sign up for a paid membership, and you can comment on all of my work. You can get involved, and we're going to have a lot of fun in the coming year. As you can tell, I'm really producing a lot for you just about every day. And then bigger interviews I have about every other week with really fascinating characters. And so I'll be coming to you soon with that as well. Okay, folks. Well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And as always, hang in there.